Tigers on Cage. Shoots his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Welcome to another edition of the Tigers Uncaged podcast, powered by South Country Co-op. Huge thank you to them for doing this. This is the podcast, Lance, where we get to talk about our medicine hat tigers. That's true. Shameless plug. Feel free to follow along with us uh, at chat94.5 is where we do our work, but uh, at jchristensen15, that's jchristensen15 on Twitter, and at Lance Dahl on Twitter as well. Uh, two guests lined up for today, uh, play-by-play voice of the medicine hat tigers, the interim voice, Scott Roblin and play-by-play man for who the Tigers play Saturday, the Edmonton Oil Kings. That is Andrew Peard. We get our first chance to uh, have a look from the other side. Yeah, and Edmonton have a good season so far. They're in first place in the Central Division. They uh, have played the Tigers already this year. They came to co-op place. Tigers winning that one in a shootout. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the trades that they've done. And, of course, when you think of the Edmonton Oil Kings, you always think of that Josh Williams trade. The Josh Williams that that everyone, every Tiger fan thought was going to be the next big thing. Don't get me wrong, very good player. Yeah, he's been but very Tiger good. <laughs> fans were very angry when he was traded to Edmonton. And then it was okay because Brett Kemp came in first game at uh, the then Canalta Center, now co-op place, uh, scored a couple goals. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh yeah, this guy's pretty good. And then Brett uh, finished out his WHL career very well with the Tigers. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have to chat with Andrew and see. See if Josh gets tired of it at all. Yeah, that guy's been like been playing for like ten years. It feels like in the WHL. I feel like Josh Williams has been in for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's been in the league for. He's one of the longer serving players in yeah. the league, obviously. So, and we'll talk to uh, Scott Roblin. Of course, he's the interim play by play for the Medicine Hat Tigers, and we'll kind of quarterback that Tuesday game against mm. Swift Current. Big win for the Tigers. But how are the Tigers going to look going forward? We'll talk right. uh, to Scott about that and a whole bunch more. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning. Advising. Getting our boots dirty. Helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Joined as always on the podcast, we have the interim play-by-play guy, Mr. Scott Roblin. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Let's talk about Tuesday night, Tigers taking on the Swift Current Broncos. How cool is it to call an overtime goal? Uh, it was pretty great. Uh, I had two games that uh, went to extra time uh, against the Edmonton Oil Kings and then uh, last weekend against the Prince Albert Raiders. Both went to a shootout, which, you know, is fine. It's part of the game, but uh, overtime calls are, are a little bit yeah. different. They, they feel a little bit better. So, um, yeah, that was a, a 
lot of fun. And for the Tigers, I mean, a, a big win. It, it stopped a, a two-game losing skid. And, um, you know, it was a wild game against the Broncos in that one. And uh, we're able to come out with the two points. The two big takeaways was five-on-five five play for the Tigers and the power play getting reignited. I don't know where you want to start, Scott. but Yeah, I mean, we could start uh, with the power play. Uh, it, it was really a huge change because coming into the game, the Tigers were operating at 8% on the man advantage. The last weekend in Saskatchewan against uh, Saskatoon and Prince Albert, very little going for their power play. They had a couple of chances. I, I remember one play where Lucas Vykovsky hit a crossbar. But going 0 for 9 and only having two power play goals through six games going into Tuesday, something that you don't see from the Tigers, especially considering last year, almost the entire season they operated at close to 40% on the power play. So it was really good to see that get reignited against the Broncos, had three goals on the power play, uh, it really were moving the puck well, and you just saw a lot more confidence in terms of the players who were getting power play looks that they know that they can score, and it was certainly a sense of less frustration, I guess, against the Broncos there. Now, we've talked about how uh, we were a little worried about the Tigers scoring, right? It took them a while to finally hit the back of the net when they did. The goals are now coming. Here's the thing. It's coming from the same guy. Lucas Vekoski now has seven goals. He's at 11 points. You look at Hot Ass, which has really litten up as of late. He's at nine points. Hoppo at five. Then it just decreases from there. This Tiger team needs more help offensively. Uh, and I think they took a step forward in their game against Swift Current because, they, I mean, they got a goal from Owen McNeil, who's been looking to break out. Teak Patton getting his first of the year. So you had guys who were able to step up a bit more, even going back to Prince Albert, where uh, Danielson and Strom were able to score their first goals of the year. But, yeah, I agree. It's, it's It's got to be something that is evolving for the Tigers and has to be something that has to grow because, again, you, you do have the guys who are scoring with, with Spikovsky and Hotass, but even for Hopwo, that was his first of the year. And uh, if you if you remember from the game uh, on the power play, got that pass across from Lucas and then pitched a monkey off his back into about row 12 at co-op. <laughs> you could tell. You could yeah. tell. He took that big, that deep breath, and it was like relief. So, like, here and, we go. And especially to get a guy like McNeil scoring, who is being relied upon as more of a veteran player on this team, especially at the center ice position, he's a guy who has to contribute offensively um same with Danielson uh so you know there's still a lot of work to do and there's still a lot of guys who have zeros next to their name in terms of their offensive production but I think the performances in Prince Alberts and against uh Swift Currents this week especially trending in the right direction but there's still a lot of work to go a lot of opportunity for the depth forwards outside of that top line really to gain more minutes we talked about that on the blue line with the Tigers during the game on Tuesday but when you look at their five-on-five five play, it really starts in their own end in playing sound defensive structure, which we saw in the third. But that was almost the first time we really saw them lock in five-on-five five defensively. Yeah, it, it was a very strange night against the Broncos because the Tigers were able to readjust on the power play so well and go three for four and finally get that clicking. And that was one of the tougher games I've seen them play in terms of five-on-five five play. Uh, they were drastically outscored at five-on-five. Five. I believe at one point in the second period, they were outscored four to nothing yeah. uh, because all three of the Tigers' goals at that point before Teak Patton scored had come on the power play. And it really just does go back to that defensive play in the zone. Look, uh, Garen Bjorklund had a tough night against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the defensive structure in front of him, it led to a lot of odd man rushes the other way from Swift. I mean, that's like how the Broncos want to play the game. And they like to force turnovers and play strong 
defensively and try and rush it up the other way. But uh, just getting back into the play, I think, is going to be a big thing, not only for the defensemen, but for the forwards to try and break up a lot of those odd man rushes, which we saw the other night. I was so fortunate. I finally got to actually sit down and watch a little bit more of the game on Tuesday night, and you guys have seen more than I have. I noticed a lot more intensity. They were a little bit more physical. I saw the Tigers, you know, finishing checks. We even saw a fight during the game. That's something new that even in years past, the Tigers didn't really have. They were more fast. They were more offensive. Has Was this game kind of the first we've seen of that, or have they been doing this so far this season? Well, I think a big reason why we saw that, and we've seen it in glimpses in Prince Albert's, uh, it, it was a bit like that. Not so much in Saskatoon. That was a, a tough night for the Tigers getting shut out for nothing. But I think a big reason for it is that was meeting number three of the season between the Tigers and Broncos. This isn't just players uh, meeting for the first time on the ice. The, yeah. uh, and especially after how the opening weekend went for the Tigers getting shut out in their first game in Swift Currents and then losing 3-2 to two, uh, in their second game and getting swept over the weekend, uh, opening weekend of the season. The, the Tigers were hungry, and I think that just amplifies the intensity and brings that up to a certain extent. I'll yeah. tell you this. At the end of those uh, that home opener when uh, Swift Current won, Swift Current came off that ice because I'll help and get the Tigers the three stars, right? So I'll, I'll pull the boys in and say who needs to go. I had Svekoski right beside me, and when Swift Current came off that ice, they were hooting and hollering like they just won the Mem Cup, right? Starting 2-0, and sure, very good. But you could tell that that pissed off the Tigers. You could tell Lucas had his head down and he was watching and he was listening. Second time around, Svekoski's a star. He's pulled up, and he said, huh, they're not as excited this time around. Interesting. And you could just tell that that alone was the fuel that the Tigers needed for Tuesday. Well, and this is what's been the great thing about the Broncos coming back into the Central, is you get more of these meetings and more of this rivalry with the Tigers and Swift Current being able to be kicked off. Look, I talked to the players before the game, and – um, I was talking with Daniel Baker, and he said, this is a must-win game for us. We can't lose three games yeah. to start the season to Swift Current. A division rival and a team I really think at the end of the season, Medicine has is going to be fighting for with yeah. a chance at, at getting into the playoffs. Um, it, it is fun to see it ramp up like that, but even against Prince Alberts, um, they were able to stay in the game and – Mount a third period comeback against Prince Albert. They lost in a shootout. It was a better performance than their previous night, but the Tigers did not leave Saskatchewan with a good taste in their mouths. They got one of a possible four points knowing that they could play better. And the fact that playing on Tuesday nights, it wasn't nearly their best game of the season and they were trailing going into the third and they gave up a lot of uh, goals at five on five to Swift Current. But at the end of the day, they got the two points. They got what they were looking for. Um, it was a big win for them. Uh, it wasn't a Mona Lisa, but it, it ended up being a big thing for the Tigers. So I think that intensity is going to continue because I think the Tigers have yet to play a full 60-minute dominant performance this yeah. WHL season. They haven't really had starts result-wise that they're going to be happy with either. I mean, back on Tuesday, they get scored on early again to kick off a game. But it felt like their start outside of that goal was a lot better. It was just one misplay near their own blue line that ends up in a breakaway and all of a sudden it's the back of their net. But th- their starts are, are starting to come around a little bit at least. Yeah, it's it's incremental improvements. There's yeah. still a long ways to go. I think for the Tigers, the biggest thing early in the year has just been those mental lapses. They, yeah. they have had stretches where they play quite well and then will just give up an odd band rush or someone will miss a, an assignment and that will lead to an offensive chance. And, um, you know, a lot of times Garen Bjorklund and Beckett Langkow have come up to make a big stop, but you can't expect your netminder to do that every single time when you, uh, when you force a bad turnover. So for the Tigers, it is going to be a learning experience over this first little bit. Look, let's just call spade a spade. This is a young 
team, especially up front. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to learn how to play in the WHL. It's something that Willie Desjardins has said. It's a, it's a much bigger jump. It's a much tougher league than a lot of young guys um, coming up into the dub maybe expect sometimes. So um, I was even talking with uh, a couple of Tigers in, in Oren Strom where he was saying, look, it's good we're getting this out of the way at the front part of the season. You don't want to be playing like this going into playoffs or making a playoff push and you're you're coming up with these mental lapses. So this is as as difficult as it is for Medicine Hat and as inconsistent as they've been at times. This is a learning opportunity for them, and we'll see if it'll be able to serve them well as the season progresses. I think it's a step in the right direction. You know what else was cool on Tuesday night? I remember this kid when he was a stick boy, and it was so awesome to see Josh Van Mulligan in the starting lineup. He was the starting defenseman. And I just remember the first time working the Tigers, seeing him as a stick boy. It's just, A, I feel old, and B, <laughs> it's just really cool to see some some homegrown products playing for the Tigers. Yeah, he's the first medicine hat-born player to play for the Tigers since Jagger White in 2017-2018. And he's the first drafted Tiger from medicine hat, drafted and developed player, to play for medicine hat in close to a decade. It's wow. been a long, long time since the Tigers have seen a player from Medicine Hat come up through the system, drafted by the the Black and Orange, and being able to develop and then make his debut with the team. Uh, Josh, you know, you know, he's a great kid. He's soft spoken. He's uh, he, he, he he's not the most outgoing guy, but you see him on the ice, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot that phases him. Yeah. He he just seemed quite comfortable and. It's funny because I, you know, speaking to him, he said, "Yeah, the first couple of shifts in his first game in Saskatoon, he he had to settle in a bit because I bet, yeah. it, it's it's the jersey that he was he's been wearing That's since a he was a kid." Big deal. I mean, you went to all the games when you were a yeah. kid. You were a stick boy as a kid. Now you're playing for yeah. that team. I think anyone that grew up in Medicine Hat at some point had that vision of what he's going through right, right. now. And kudos to Willie Desjardins for putting him in the starting lineup in his first yeah. game at home. That's just something that uh, I, I know means the world to Josh and. Um, and it wasn't just a token, all right, let's throw the guy in for 15 seconds and get him off the ice as quickly as possible. He's playing with Bogdan's hot ass, who's had yep. a phenomenal season. Josh has been playing some decent minutes in his first three games. Um, still is looking for his first point, but he's just growing more and more comfortable as the games have gone along. You saw that in Prince Albert, and you definitely saw that uh, against Swift Currents. There's a lot of growing and a lot of learning that needs to happen with Josh but he's definitely on the right track. Yeah, I think he's a lot further along than we give him credit for, to be honest. As an 05, he looked very good for the Tigers on, on Tuesday against Swift. Uh, and, I mean, we look at him as an 05. Reed Andreessen's a 2005-born player, and, and you're going to see these younger guys that are going to be stepping into bigger roles over the course of this year and into next. Uh, but one guy that's been returning that has not gone off to the start that I think any of us expected is Drew Krebs. And without a point so far this season, it's just been it's been an interesting start for Drew. He almost doesn't look like he he has found his role yet, and I think you can say that about a lot of the Tigers. No, yeah, it's it's been interesting with Drew. I mean, he was drafted this past summer um, by the Washington Capitals, and you know, going into his draft year, um, he had a wicked season. He had, I believe, eleven assists last yep. year, and um, has really grown to be a guy who the Tigers can depend on. Um, he was really mentored by Cole Clayton and mm-hmm. has been kind of relied upon to fill a lot of those minutes, especially offensively. Um, I'm sure if you ask Drew, he would say it's not been the start he's he's wanted to this year. But he has so much more room to grow, and we have seen his game be at almost elite levels in the Western Hockey League, at least his development track. Yeah. Um, in his second year in the WHL, he looked 
not like a guy who was playing in his second year. He was so comfortable playing top two minutes a lot, a lot of nights, playing 20 minutes a game. Um, and this year, there really isn't anyone, maybe aside from Daniel Baker, who's ahead of him on the depth chart. And I, and I would say that Drew, just with his NHL prospect acumen and what he's been able to do, has the potential to be an excellent, excellent first pairing defenseman for the yeah. Tigers. So um, when I say it's a learning experience, it's not just for the first and second year guys in this league. It's yeah. even for a guy like Drew Krebs entering his third season with a chance to grow and a chance to really develop into the player that he can be in this league. And and I think he can get there. Um, it's just going to take maybe a little bit is more it, settling in. Is it almost a case of Drew trying to do too much right now? Because that's almost what it looks like, is that he's trying to do more than he needs to. Like Like Baker... And hot ass finished out that game. They played like the second half of the game together on Tuesday against Swift, and that's a pairing that looks very comfortable. Obviously, they're both playing well offensively, so I can translate a little bit. But it almost seems like Drew is getting rotated a little bit with some new guys, and they're trying to find a spot for him. And he's almost trying to do too much in his own zone, which is causing a little bit of havoc. Yeah, and I think for Drew, the biggest thing is just getting the breakouts under control because yeah. that is where he has the ability to be a truly dynamic player for the Tigers. Get that first pass up the ice. Um, there's been a lot of passes that will hop over sticks of forwards at the blue line and just haven't been as crisp as maybe Drew has wanted them to be. And uh, and I think alongside that, they go hand in hand, but it's also going to be the puck retrievals for him. Yeah. Um Anytime he goes back, he is going to be the guy who's going to be quarterbacking. And that provi- presents a lot of pressure, but a lot of opportunity to dictate how the breakout and how the play is going to start for Medicine Hat. And I think it's honestly just about being getting more comfortable with yeah. it. And I think it's just repetition. Um, you know, like we were talking about, it's probably better that this is happening earlier in the year. Um, I don't have any reservations that Drew Krebs can't get to that level because we have seen it. Um, We saw it last year in the development season, but um, I think if he just starts kind of focusing a bit more on the puck retrievals and just starts taking the play one pass at a time rather than kind of an an outward, okay, let's drive it up the ice so we got to set up for power play. One play at a time, I think Drew Krebs is is definitely going to be able to bounce back. Looking at stats already, just at, at Krebs, like looking at his shot, he's not a, a guy a defenseman who shoots a lot. Last mm-hmm. year was the most he ever had at forty five. He's already at ten shots on mm-hmm. net yeah. this season, so it's not he's putting pucks on net. But you're right, that passing needs to improve a little bit more. But I, I think he will get there. I, I think it's a matter of time. Well, I think with like with Corson Hoffo scoring his first, that was a long time coming. You can sense that there was a, a bit of an air of frustration before that goal and finally being able to break through. You could just sense the relief from Corson Hoppo in mm-hmm. the building. I think the exact same is going to happen with Drew Krebs because he is getting chances. He's getting shots on goal. The other night in Prince Albert in overtime had a breakaway to win the game and got stopped twice oh. uh, by Carter Sarienko. <laughs> so he he's due for a goal, and I think once that first one comes, uh, it's definitely going to be more comfortable for him, especially on the offensive side. And so uh, now, let, before we let you go, let's let's look about this weekend. All right, we're taking again again the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, I. I a team that is struggling, they're not winning, but like we've said before, their roster, they have a team that should be winning. Yeah, I mean, they have elite talent on their roster. I wouldn't say they're the deepest team in the WHL, but they have proven that they have some absolute game burners. Uh, they have three first-round picks on the roster for, at the NHL level in uh, in Ozzie Weisblatt up front and Nolan Allen and Caden Gooley on defense. And the return of Gooley from Montreal's just been such a difference to that team, even seeing them uh, last weekend. He's just been driving play so much, and he's just a dominant defenseman who might be, I would say, a top two, three defenseman in the Western Hockey League mm-hmm. this year. Uh, 
it, I think it's going to all come down to if their depth scoring can step up because they uh, we saw a lot of Aussie Wiseblatt and Reese Vitelli and those veterans that were driving things along for Prince Albert. Um, but they're they're a team the Tigers can't take lightly because you saw the other night Sarienko if he gets into a rhythm, very underrated goaltender in this league, and they have the experience and a roster that once they put it all together, they could be a team that really challenges. I don't know necessarily if it's going to be to the level of the first-rounders that they have on their team because there are some holes in that lineup, but they now have their imports brought over from Belarus, so they have those guys into the lineup in Tikhon Cheka and Vladislav Shilo. Um, they're, they're building, so the Tigers will have a tough task, and they're going to be out for a bit of revenge after losing in the shootout last weekend. For sure. Yeah, and then you got the Edmonton Oil Kings, where again they came into here at Co-op Place. We beat them in the shootout. I don't think they're going to be taken lightly going into Edmonton. I think Edmonton's going to also look for a little bit of revenge. Yeah, that's got to be Medicine Hat's best game of the season, I mm-hmm. think. You're on the road facing arguably the top team in the Western Hockey League in terms of just talent on the ice. And Edmonton, they haven't fully been able to put it together early in the year. Everybody expected them to do what Winnipeg's doing and come out to like an 8-0 start. And yeah. they, they're loaded with NHL talent. And Dylan Gunther hasn't gone off to the start that he maybe wanted, but... Sebastian Kosa in between the pipes. I mean, he's so tough to beat. Um, that is going to be an extremely tough challenge for the Tigers, and I think one that they need early in the year here. For sure. I mean, we'll talk with Andrew Peard uh, about their start so far, mm-hmm. also picking up defenseman Luke Prokop along the way from the Calgary Hitmen, which uh, almost seems like the rich get richer a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a wild trade <laughs> yeah. that I don't think anyone predicted. Yeah, no kidding. And Because and, it was just it came out of nowhere, it felt like almost, where where all of a sudden Prokop's on the move, and to think he goes from Calgary to Edmonton was surprising. But yeah. Well, uh, that's something they've been missing, is that yeah. game-breaking defenseman who can really lead the way. And, I mean, Keegan Slaney's a great blue liner, but I think Prokop just adds so many more weapons to their back end. More Hockey Talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. The talk of Tiger Town. Great moments are born in great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. One of the cool things, Lance, that we wanted to do when we did Tigers Uncaged is kind of get the perspective uh, of teams that we go up against and get the perspective of that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, view from the other side, so to speak. Yeah, because we know a lot about the Tigers. That's why we decided to do this podcast. But we want to know more about the teams we face. Kind of get, you know, maybe a good look at them. Maybe it'll help the Tigers. Yeah, well, or or they'll just be more aware, maybe, if they listen. I don't know if they do yet. But in any case, uh, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oil Kings joins us, Andrew Peard. Andrew, thanks for jumping on, man. You're the first official guest from a view from the other side. That's got to feel special. 
I cannot believe how, how special I feel right now. And uh, it's all thanks to you guys. And uh, like we're talking about off air, just happy to spread the word of the, uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. And uh, I love what you guys are doing. Anytime anyone wants to get together and talk junior hockey, especially the Western Hockey League, uh, I'm all for it. And you are, of course, the voice of the back-to-back-to-back Central oh, yeah. Division champions. Ooh. We used Three to be times. there one time. It is a very nice feeling. <laughs> It is a great feeling, but you know what? It would be a better feeling if they could do anything with it because the last two years they won the Central Division Championship. There's no playoffs, so oh, yeah. that's kind of the, the big theme around this team right now is, hey, we've got uh, three divisional banners, but nothing else to show for it, and not for anything that the Oil Kings did. It's not like they went to the playoffs and, and choked it away. They've, they've just never had the opportunity to take their regular season success into to that of the postseason. Well, and let's even just look at how this year started for the Edmonton Oil Kings where – uh, the top heralded team in all of the Canadian Hockey League coming into the season, and uh, and got off to a decent start. I mean, you're sitting now with, with four wins on the season. Uh, what's been the early outlook and, and kind of some of the takeaways for the Oil Kings so far, Andrew? Well, I, I think right now the the big strength of this team heading into this year and why they were the number one ranked team before the season started was because of the depth that they have. You look at it and. You know, if you get Jake Neighbors back, and now with the addition of Luke Prokop on the back end, that's seven NHL drafted players that this team has. So um, that, that's been the main takeaway, that this team has looked very uh, veteran-laden, as they should. And I think in the early going, that's what's won them four of their seven games that they've played so far. Because, to be honest with you guys, it's been disjointed for Edmonton. The, the one thing that you would have thought this team was not going to have any trouble doing this year is scoring goals. But only twice this year have they ever scored more than two goals in a hockey game. So um, right now they're, they're trying to find their, their way offensively. And I think a lot of that stems back to the fact that I mentioned it, seven NHL drafted guys, which means seven guys that are key pieces on this team. They weren't here for training camp or preseason. So everyone is kind of treating this first couple of weeks, almost like a preseason where everyone's still trying to get on the same page. And, you know, once they can do that and hopefully get Jake neighbors back from St. Louis, um, you know, I, I think this team is going to be raring to go. How cool is it? Because when I when I think of the Oil Kings, I think of Jake Neighbors. Like, that guy was the guy, the poster boy of the team, and he just recently made his debut in the NHL with the Blues. How cool is it as someone like you who's been following the team, getting to know a guy like Jake Neighbors and seeing him in the NHL? Man, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, selfishly, you're thinking, boy, I really wish he was back here in Edmonton. <laughs> But that all goes away on, on Saturday night. I was I was at Rogers' place in my office just getting prepared for the game Sunday against the Red Deer Rebels. So I had the St. Louis Blues game on the TV so I could watch his debut. And the second he touched the ice, you know, it's, it's an overwhelming amount of pride that you feel. Like, here's our guy playing in the NHL. And you've seen everything he's gone through to, to get to this point, the work that he's put in. And, and to see him rewarded and, and have that opportunity to play uh, in the National Hockey League at such a young age, um, it, it just makes it all worth it. And, you know, selfishly, yeah, you want him back. But at the same time, if it, if it is more than nine games and he ends up making the St. Louis Blues as a full-time player, you couldn't be more happier for the kid because he's, he's just one of those guys that um, he, he, he brightens up a room, everyone that he steps in. And, and I mean, we, we know what he does on the ice, and, and that's, that's easy. Everyone can see that. It's what he does off the ice that makes him such a special person. And to see him having this success, I mean, it's, it's impossible not to cheer for. I 100% get where you're coming from because we're in the same boat with Cole Sillinger. I watched a little bit of him in Columbus, and I'm like, damn, an 18-year-old, that is so awesome to see. But selfishly, I want him back for the Tigers. And to be honest, we've talked about it on the podcast. I don't think he will because of what happened and the fact that he could go down to the AHL. But it is cool to see 
but you get angry at the same time. <laughs> yeah, especially with the, with the case of Cole Sillinger, because it's one thing if you're playing in the NHL, but now the fact that at, at his age he's going to be exempt to play in the American Hockey League, I mean, you know, you, you almost wonder, is he better served playing back in, in, in the Western League where he's going to probably play north of 20 minutes a game and, and be on the top power play unit? Instead, he's probably going to have to go back and, you know, sort of start from the bottom, be the, the rookie and the young guy on an American Hockey League team and, and try and earn his way into top six minutes and, and power play minutes. Now, is he going to do that? Probably, because he's that darn good. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, no, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. And it, it's one of those things that, and right now, it's it's the same thing with Jake Neighbors. I mean, he very much is sort of the fabric of this team. He is uh, the identity of this team. And it, it's something that's been missing right now for the Edmonton Oil Kings. I think they're working towards creating a, a new identity for hopefully the, the time being until Jake is back. And if not, they, they have something in place should he not return. But, you know, for the Messing Hat Tigers, Cole Sillinger's a big cog on that team. And uh, for the Western Hockey League, he's a big cog on that team. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's an unfortunate situation that for, for the Tigers and for the WHL and fans of the WHL that he might not be coming back this year. But at the same time, um, seeing these kids realize their dream at such a young age, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see. Well, you mentioned, Andrew, that there's no lack of depth with the Edmonton Oil Kings and picking up Luke Prokop in that trade with the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, Jesse and I both looked at each other and said that's a hell of a deal for a defenseman that carries some NHL experience being at camp and, and is a veteran in this league. Uh, just how important is he adding to the back end? Yeah, he's huge, especially because you look at the Oil Kings didn't lose a ton from their, their roster last year, but one big piece they lost was Matthew Robertson as he's turned pro and he's going to play with the, the New York Rangers American Hockey League affiliate this year. So there there was a need on the back end just for someone to come in and stabilize things. I mean, you like what you have in Simon Kubitschek to maybe pick up some of that offensive slack that, that, you, that you lose in, in Matthew Robertson and Logan Dalhaniak continues to progress and Ethan Peters as well. But you needed that minute muncher, that guy that can go out there, play in all situations and, and settle things down and, you're able to insert a guy like Luke Prokop and the acumen that he has, and, and he's able to do that. And then to make matters even better, a guy who's maybe not known for his, his scoring in the Western Hockey League, well, in his first game, he scores five minutes in, and then he has the nightcap as well in a, in a 4 nothing win and scores twice. So um, he, he's just a, a massive, massive addition, both figuratively, figuratively and literally at six foot five, 220 pounds, and um, he's going to be a real important piece for this team. I mean, we've already seen it. He's had one practice under his belt with the Edmonton Oil Kings, yet he's out there playing top minutes already on the back end and, and able to handle it. So um, that that was a real big piece for, for Kurt Hill to go out and get. And uh, I, I think the team and, uh, and and the staff are very happy with uh, what he's going to bring and what, uh, uh, what um, you know, the, the – the help that he's going to bring for the, the guys that are already here. It's a scary team, man. Those Edmonton Oil Kings are very scary. Uh, another trade that uh, the Tigers and the Oil Kings did a few years back, of course, was the Brett Camp and the Josh Williams trade. A lot of Tiger fans, they, they were angry at first when mm-hmm. that trade happened because Josh Williams was kind of like our Cole Sillinger. They expected him to be a first-round pick in the NHL. They expected a lot of stuff from him. I think that the trade was very even. I think both sides won. Does Josh Williams ever get sick of that talk? Because it happens all the time. I, I don't know that he gets too sick of it, uh, mostly because I think he really loves playing with Medicine Hat Tigers. He's had some of his, his best games against his former team, so I think it's something that he draws some inspiration from, the fact that he got moved out of there. But at, at the same time, you mentioned it. It's one of those rare hockey trades where I think both teams walk away saying, yeah, 
this is exactly what we were looking for, and and both teams are quite happy with what they got. I mean, at the time that deal was made, the Edmonton Oil Kings were, I mean, they're they're having a a real good year in eighteen nineteen, but it was kind of a surprising year. I mean, they were just coming off a year where they were dead last in the entire CHL, and you know everyone thought, okay, they're definitely going to be improved. It'd be almost hard for them not to improve, but are they going to win the Central Division and go to the Eastern Conference Final? Probably not. So. Um, an opportunity to, to move out an older guy, a year older, not too much older, but uh, an older guy and, and maybe get another year uh, of, um, uh, of production from a guy of, of similar ilk in terms of his offensive abilities. Um, that, that was presented to the Oil Kings, and they jumped on it. And sure enough, he's been a guy that's developed really nicely uh, here in Edmonton. His 17-year-old year was a bit of a lost year for him, and, and that's unfortunate because that was such an important year coming off the Linka Gretzky and being his NHL drafter, but he went through so many things that year. There was a, um, a death in the family right at the time he was traded. Uh, he was dealing with a, an injury as well. So his, his season never really got on the rails, but I, I think Edmonton saw um, a lot of potential there, um, and, and he's been able to, to reach it and then probably exceed it over these last you know season and a half uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. So uh, from an Edmonton perspective, quite happy with the deal. And, I mean, if you're the Medicine Hat Tigers, how can you not be happy with with what Brett Kemp provided to that team for the, the two and a half years uh, that he was there because, I mean, he, he was elite. He was a, a top-end Western Hockey League scorer every single night. He made a difference for the Medicine Hat Tigers, and, and I think it's it's a trade that, that worked out uh, for, for both teams. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I remember Brett's first game here at Co-op Place, and he ended up scoring a couple goals, and it yeah. was like, holy smokes, this kid They weren't that mad anymore. Do it. And then Josh Williams would come into town and score a couple goals, yep. and he said, why did we trade <laughs> did this we guy trade? away? So it was, it was funny, the, the catch-22 of it all. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of a lot of people are very familiar with the Edmonton Oil Kings over the last few years and the amount of players that they have produced to go on to bigger and better things in pro hockey. And one of the latest that's been drafted, Dylan Gunther, uh, went to the Arizona Coyotes. And this season, uh, maybe just, just missing a step or two. Is that fair to say, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think it's just a, a matter of trying to get back caught up to the, the Western Hockey League, which is not to say it's faster than the NHL, but it's different, right? And, yeah. Um, he, he wasn't here for all of training camp. I mean, he went down to, to Arizona ahead of their training camp. So I think he was down there sometime in August and, uh, the oil Kings didn't break camp till, uh, the final weekend of August and, and right into to Labor Day weekend. So, and then you mix that in with the fact that during the shortened season in 2021, he only played the first half. He played 12 games. Then he went to the under 18s and was lost for the rest of the year. So it's been a long time since Dylan Gunther, put on an Oil King jersey and played with a lot of these guys. And then the fact that he came in, he ends up coming back the the day of the home opener, doesn't play that one, and then plays the next night down in Red Deer. And then the team's on the road, so they, they really just haven't had any practice time with Dylan Gunther um, since he's been back uh, on October 1st. So for him, I think it's just a matter of getting back comfortable being in the Western Hockey League. Uh, being with the, his, his current teammates right now. But it's starting to come. I think we saw it start in Medicine Hat where they were able to, to keep him in check, but he was starting to sniff around, had some scoring chances. Uh, he got an empty netter on Friday against the, the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And then uh, last night's game against the, uh, the, the Red Deer Rebels, uh, six shots on goal or, or something like that, and every one of them was a scoring chance. It was, it was going through the goalie but being cleared off the goal line. He hit the butt end of the goalie stick. I think he caught the outside of the post as well. So it's coming for him. Uh, probably not at the pace that, that he was hoping for, but it's just a matter of uh, not uh, if, it's, it's a matter of when. And when 
uh, he does start to break through, he's going to start piling up the points like we saw him do last yeah, year. Like watch yeah. out. Yeah. Seriously, it's just a matter of time. One guy, though, for Edmonton that has hit the ground running, we all kind of expected also a first-round pick out of the NHL entry draft is Sebastian Kosa. Uh, played all seven games so far, has a goals against just above one, and a save percentage over 950. Uh, we all know that this guy is legit, but but Kosa's a different level of a goaltender in the Western Hockey League, don't you think? Yeah, it's it's a cheat code. Like yeah. honestly, like you're not supposed to be six foot six and move like a female Olympic gymnast, but he <laughs> can do that. And it's it's as like as just a normal human being. It's like you're at first you're in awe of it, and you're like, how is that even possible that he's he does this at at his size? And you know, for for someone to be that young and to be that big. And you see it a lot with some of these bigger skaters in the Western Hockey League that you're you're always looking for a little bit more out of them because honestly they're they're just not used to being that big and and how to properly utilize that size that they do have and that's why you know you you see NHL teams take flyers on guys that might not have the production in the Western Hockey League but they have that great size because eventually they are going to you know no pun intended grow into that size but at, at the same time Sebastian Coast has worked really hard he understands his body he understands what he can do with that length that he has. And, and the fact of the matter is that you can have all that uh, size and, and natural ability, but you need to have the the mental capabilities and the mental strength to be a real good goalie in this league, and he does. He's very confident within himself, which I think you want to see out of your goaltender, but he understands the game so well. He understands what um, he, he doesn't do well, and he works on it. Like he When he first came to the Oil Kings at 15, 16 years old, when he go out of the net to handle the puck, it was like you, you just hold on to your hat because you don't know what's about to happen. Now all of a sudden he looks like a, a third defenseman back there because he works at it. If he sees something in his game he doesn't like, he puts in the work. And, and that's what separates uh, a guy, especially at this level, these guys that are willing to, 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 to treat it like it's their profession because honestly it is. And, and he's one of those guys that has invested in himself and, and continues to make himself better. And, and right now at, at – you know, 19 years old or approaching 19 years old, he's far and away the best goaltender in the Western Hockey League, probably in uh, the entire CHL. And um, it's it's been a real privilege to watch. And, and he's such an important piece for this Oil King team. Well, and it's funny, like his athleticism, Tigers fans will remember goaltender Merrick Langhammer and how mm-hmm. athletic he was. Mm-hmm. Kosa's got that same athleticism, but he's also about five inches taller and weighs over 200 pounds. Like, this guy's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Well, we'll see him this weekend. Uh, Tigers, Oil Kings, they get out of in Edmonton Saturday night. Now, the last time these two teams played, went to a shootout. Tigers won that game. Andrew, do you think the game plan changes for Edmonton? Because I thought they played a phenomenal game mm-hmm. here in the hat. They just came down to that shootout. Yeah, I, I don't know that they're going to change too much. I, I do think they're they're pretty pleased with it. Obviously, they want to see the, the the offense start to come through a little bit more. But at the same time, I mean, talk about Sebastian Coso, all the Tigers. They got a pretty good one in there in Garen Bjorklund. And talk about a guy who's athletic as all heck. Garen <laughs> Bjorklund certainly is that. He's he's a ton of fun to watch, and he's he's an excellent goaltender. But I think for Edmonton, um, they they were pleased with the the effort that they had down in Medicine Hat. Uh, I think just looking for a little bit more polish, uh, a little bit more finish in and around the net. Um, that's that's the one thing about this Oil King team, which which has made them so successful over these last you know three now four seasons. And it's a credit to the the coaching staff of Brad Lauer and Luke Pierce. They have this real good baseline. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. They don't scramble because you know they don't get the result they want. They they stick with their process and, and they 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 trust in their process. 
And I think Edmonton's going to continue to do that. Uh, looking forward to the game. Always a fun one when it's the Oil Kings and the Tigers. All goes down this weekend. Andrew Peard, the play-by-play guy for the Oil Kings. You can get him on Twitter. Andrew Peard, P-E-A-R-D on Twitter. You can follow him there. Dude, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. More Tigers uncaged in seconds. That's how winning is done. Powered by South Country Co-op. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op, proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Jesse and Lance are back with more Tigers Uncanny. Fast and fearless, baby. Here we go. Powered by South Country Co-op. That wraps up the fourth episode of the Tigers Uncaged podcast. Shout out to South Country Co-op, as always, for powering this. Yeah. Uh, we learned a lot this podcast. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend with the Tigers taking on the Prince Albert Raiders Friday and then uh, in Edmonton against the Oil Kings Saturday, which is going to be maybe... Maybe hotly contested, just like the Tigers and Swift back on Tuesday, where we were talking about the tempers flaring a little Mm -hmm. bit. You're seeing a team again, and I mean Prince Albert for that matter, but not the divisional connection, right, like you have with Edmonton. So uh, potential for both to pop off, and and a big weekend for the Tigers. You want to make any predictions? How do you you think the Tigers do? Because I'm going to go, they're going to go one and one. I think that tonight they are going to get their revenge against Prince Albert. Right. I think you're going to get a different Tigers team because they're they're on that momentum from home, right? Big home win this week. I say they beat Prince Albert and they lose a tight one to the Edmonton Oil Kings. Edmonton's going to be a little bit more angry and uh, they're playing at Edmonton. I think they're going to bounce back and win. So I I say 1-1. Interesting. I don't want to agree with you okay? because that's too easy that way. Right. I'll say they win both. Okay. I think they find a way to get the win against Prince Albert here at home. I'm not sure who's starting, if it's going to be Garen or Beckett, but I assume they're going to split duties this weekend. I would think so in a, in a, in a back-to-back games. I think you would, right? I think our best guess would be that uh, Bjorklund plays Saturday against the Oil Kings with Lankow getting the start Friday against Prince Albert. But I don't know. We'll find that out. But in any case, I say they win both. Uh, on the backs of strong goaltending performances. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. We'll see you right back here next week. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.